Good to see you this morning. Do you remember being in year 12? <laughs> that was a fair while ago, but it still is lodged in the memory somewhere. So well done, you year 12s. Go for it, throw yourselves in, and we will be cheering you on. Um, yesterday, there was a referendum, and uh, I just wanted to comment uh, at the beginning this morning to say that I think, regardless of the result, that there's an opportunity that's presented to Australia right now. And I think that the one opportunity, I think, that is before us is that front and centre in our nation is the plight of Indigenous people. And I think that presents us with an opportunity. I also think that the, um, the, obviously the result was not necessarily a rejection of a people, but a rejection of a particular um, proposition. And so I just wonder how God might now use the likes of you and I to speak into that situation. Because regardless of how you may have voted yesterday... The plight of the Indigenous people is still front and centre. And I wonder if there might be people in this room who are watching online or perhaps later on in today that would feel the nudge of God's spirit to say, okay, so this is where we are. What are we going to do? And, and I'm really encouraged by things when I hear Bron speak. Wasn't that good? The ways in which that the, the love of God is extended just practically and realised throughout this community but I wonder if some of you might actually feel the nudge and the prompt of God to say, okay, this is an opportunity now, God. I'm available. What do you want me to do to speak into this huge, huge matter in just some small way? So I just wonder if right now I just might pause for a moment and ask that God actually might do something great in this nation and speak profoundly into the plight of Indigenous people and regardless of how you particularly voted yesterday, I think we are unified in that something needs to be done. And it requires more than just the act of human will. Yeah. So if you'd like to join with me, I'm going to pray. God, in this place, uh, you have known all of the comings and goings, all of the debate and the discussion, all of the fracture, all of the tensions. And I just believe that this is an opportunity because the plight of a people that you love is front and centre in our nation. And so we ask in this place that you might bring a unity, that you might bring change, that you might raise up individuals, leaders from all around this nation that would actually speak into, that you would encourage Indigenous people today and that you would actually speak um, and, and raise up and encourage them in ways that words can't. Father, that there might be something raising up and rising up from the inside, from, from the various clusters and groups of many nations that represent that people group, that actually they might take upon themselves um, a, a new hope and a new optimism that's birthed from you that might see effective change and that others may follow in step. God, I just want to bring this before you. And I ask that there are people here in this community that you would just want to uh, um, nudge right now and, and, and shake and challenge and say, what about you? And that that might be the beginning of something really good and great too. And I pray and I ask all these things in Jesus' name. Amen. 
Amen. Good morning. Good morning. Last week we started the series titled Peter. And uh, in that place when we were talking about um, the, this, this person, Peter, he was the right-hand man of Jesus. He belonged to the group of disciples, uh, Peter, James and John, the inner three. Um, in fact, um, uh, Peter was one of those people who would lead boldly from the front. He would speak before he thought and, and great effect happened through him. And so he wrote a letter to a group of Christians that were scattered all throughout what is known today as, as modern Turkey, ancient Asia Minor. And, and um, in that particular place where Jesus' followers were scattered, who had heard the word of, of someone who'd been risen from the dead and that accepted that message and put their hope in Jesus, his spirit came and filled them and actually transformed them from the inside out. And now in the various places where they were scattered in the Greco-Roman world, they were asking the question, what does it mean for me to now live in this very different orientation that I have within my community? Because I used to chase after all the other gods and goddesses of the Greco-Roman world. And now, now that I've come to know Jesus, things have changed inside of me. How should I live? And so last week, the emphasis was on remember who you are. Remember when you go to your schools. Remember when you're in your community. Remember when you're in your workplaces. Remember who you are. And the, the three remembrances, if you like, were this. That when someone comes to place their trust in Jesus... That there's a new birth that takes place. No, they don't get born again physically, but there's a spiritual transaction that takes place. And they're welcomed into God's family, and it's as though they're a new member of God's family. And you have a new heavenly father, and you get other brothers and sisters, and it's a new dynamic that's supposed to, intended to, transform the world one person at a time, because you're part of a new family. And then there was the reminder that you experience an inheritance, that you ultimately inherit God. That if you like, you're a bit of a sojourner or in exile here, your feet might be planted on the ground on this earth. But where you truly belong is with God. And whether that be in physical form when he returns and recreates a new heaven and earth, or when you die and therefore go to be with him, who you truly belong to now is God. And the great hope of that message was that that would be protected for you. No matter what happened, no matter what trial that you experienced, no matter what localized persecution and out of jointness you might feel, is that that was secure. There's no power on, in heaven and on earth that can take that away from you because you are protected by God. And that is good news. But we also finished off last week with the realization that... If what characterized the ancient world was hardship and difficulty, what often characterizes our world in which we inhabit is actually ease. Not for everyone, but for many. And so that when you actually inhabit this culture in eastern suburban Melbourne, you can feel that sense of, hey, Troy, don't take yourself too seriously. She'll be right, mate. No worries. Just get on with enjoying the next sporting event, the next, maybe the next holiday, the long weekend. Just don't take yourself too seriously, nor God. And I think the challenge for any would-be followers of Jesus in this common culture is to not allow the ease, if you like, to get into your heart and mind so that you forget, because that would be so easy to do. So last week we looked at 
Remember who you are. And this week, as we unpack the words that you've just heard, I wonder if God might want to whisper in your ear, reflect who I am in the world. So if you want to join with me, if you want to... Uh, if you've got an iOS device or if you've got a Bible there, 1 Peter 1, 13 to 23, we are going to just dive on in. And here's where it goes. It says these words, Therefore, with minds that are alert and fully sober, set your hope on the grace that is brought to you when Jesus Christ is revealed at his coming. Peter's writing to these Christians and wanting to say to them, I want you to fix your hope on the certainty that one day Jesus will return and when he returns, it'll be like this great processional, like a royal procession. All those that have died and gone to be with him will return in this big like triumph. And and if you are there when he arrives, he won't be appearing necessarily from the clouds, but from the dimension that is unseen right now from your eyes because God's heavenly space is close. And when he arrives in full, he will be coming down to the earth and you will be raised up to meet with him in the sky. And like a a bride, sort of a a groom going to meet his bride, you escort down to earth. And then God's new heavens and new earth will be established where one of the, the prophet's words that God's glory might be filled, his entire presence will fill the earth just like the waters cover the seas. And in that moment, all evil and injustice will be dispelled from the earth and God's kingdom will reign in a new heavens and new earth. And he implores them and encourages them and says, I want you to fix your hope on that. So let me ask you this morning, when the chips are down in your life, who or what do you put your hope in? Do you put your hope in the the next political leader who stands up and you think, oh, finally now they are going to put all wrongs to rights and our world will be good. Do you put your hope in the latest political leader? Or what is it? Do you put your hope in the next Hollywood celebrity that comes out with their latest product and says, if you just buy this product, your world will just go swimmingly well. (laughs) It'll increase my bank balance, it'll decrease yours, but your world will be changed radically for this. Or maybe you put your hope in the latest technology, this uh, sense that science will fix all the problems that we have. Well, I was talking to someone this week overseas who was lamenting all of the, yet again, another upheaval in our world. Just last Sunday, right? To here we are today. Just a whole nother people group in turmoil. And we can see it unfolding, can't we? Just evil begets evil, begets evil, begets evil. And that's only one upheaval that's taking place in the Middle East right now. There's still another war going on. There's there's still... uh, disunity and factions at home and abroad. And it begs the question, perhaps more than any other time in our living memory, right? Where we ask ourselves, there is so much upheaval. And I remember saying to this person, that's right, this, if you like, is the narrative of humans. We need someone from outside to come and help fix us, right? Because we need a transformation of the heart if anything's going to change in the world around about. And that's what Peter was encouraging them to be sober-minded 
and a clear thinking in times in your life when you feel like it's all overwhelming and it's too difficult and hard to set your hope on that good news that's coming, that there is a God and he's active in this world and you get to know that too. And so he presses on a little bit further and he says these words, okay, once your hopes are set on him, I want you to, as obedient children, do not conform to the desires that you had, the evil desires you had when you lived in ignorance. You know, when you chase after the gods and goddesses and when you prayed to Zeus and you asked him and you tried to get his attention by bending his arm and doing things sort of like a barter system that would get him in tune with you. Remember that that society you inhabited with that stratification of slaves and the oppressors. There were some attitudes and behaviors and ways of thinking and patterns that are no longer going to conform to this new family that you are part of. And so he says these words, But just as he who called you is holy, so be holy in all you do. For it is written, Be holy because God is holy. You know, this word is bantied around as though we kind of understand intuitively what it means. In some senses, this word holy means just practically set apart. But the only problem with that idea is it just simply doesn't say enough. There's this story in the Bible of Moses, a great leader of the nation of Israel. He was walking through the desert and he saw this bush that was on fire but not burning up. It caught his attention. And so he went over to it. And in that space, God spoke to him from it. So God got his attention and then he speaks to him. And as he draws closer to him, he says to Moses, no, 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 wait a second, Moses. Don't come any closer because you're standing on holy ground. In fact, take your shoes off. And the idea of the holiness in that sense is that God's presence was so close and manifest in that location that if you like all of his power, all of his otherness, all of his wonder, all of his knowledge, all of his sheer might was located and brilliance in that one place. And so as Moses drew closer, if you like, it became a little dangerous for him because God is immortal and he is mortal. And so as he gets closer, God says, no, 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 don't come any closer, not because there's a problem with God, but because you're immortal. And if you get too close to me, it gets, it gets dangerous, not because I'm bad, because I'm exceedingly good. And sometimes you might have the idea of God's holiness wrapped around that idea, that if God is so different to an other than, therefore, I need to separate myself and be separate to other people. The idea of the holier than now, or I need to detach myself from my community or my school or the friendship circles because I actually need to be other than. And if you thought like that, that's probably only half the measure. Because the whole idea around God's holiness here is that it's for a purpose. In fact, it's got more to do with understanding the very nature and character of God being alive in you so that you reflect that into the world, not distantly, but really close up and embedded exactly in the circles in which you've been planted. If you come to our place for afternoon tea and Bron asks, 
what would you like? And if you said tea, she would love that. <laughs> and she would pull out from the table bench a whole bunch of old-fashioned Bramley Hedge cups of tea. Does anyone have the Bramley Hedge set? All right, she does. You really would like that. And she would make you a cup of tea. And you would drink together and talk and have a marvellous time. Drinking tea. But if you had to come to our house 15 years ago, that same Bramley Hedge set of teacups was sitting behind a cabinet uh, in, in its holy space. <laughs> and, and so the, the cups of tea were only brought out on special occasions, really important occasions. You know, if you had someone come and visit like the Queen or Jesus, <laughs> um, he would get a cup of tea, right? Because the, the cups belonged in that, that cabinet and they were separate because they were really special and really, if you like, holy. Um, but then there came the day when Bron, the penny dropped and she went, you know what? This is not what the cups of tea are made for, to be sitting in some cabinet. They're made to actually be used and drunk out of. So now those very same cups of tea that once were holy have become everyday wear. <laughs> because they're holy, because they're being used exactly the way in which the manufacturer designed them to be used, is to be sipped out of. And so this understanding of God's holiness and being like God has got more to do with becoming like him and his character from the inside out, or if you like, operating according to the manufacturer's design. And when they had an idea around that about who you would point to as the perfect replication, if you like, of God inhabiting human flesh, the image bearer then became Jesus. Why don't you become more like Jesus? Because look at what he did. He embedded himself in all kinds of situations but he understood at the core of his being that he wanted to reflect who his father was into the world. You see, someone who comes to know Jesus and the Spirit of God resides in them, one of the first inclinations that Peter would want to say is, remember who you've become. Now I want you, if you, I want you to reflect God into the world so other people can see that that's what he's like. So that's why I loved two weeks ago being involved in Engage Sunday. <laughs> One of the things that I love so much about Engage Sunday is that it's an opportunity for people to reflect God into the world in very practical ways. If you're here for the first time, you're watching online, our Engage is where we head out into the community and do a variety of activities to serve and the love on people. <laughs> well, before I went trimming of hedges in another place, I actually went ahead and, and uh, joined the car wash out here. <laughs> the young people were doing an awesome job right, washing cars. And it wasn't just washing cars because people had cooked food. And so under a pergola, you could eat sweets. And then the coffee machine was going and, and people were bringing out coffees to people as well. So this was awesome. I, I remember chatting with one lady and she lives locally. She looked at the letter drop and she went, you know what? My life's been really hard this. And so I'm going to go and get my car washed. And so there she drove her car in and there is water going everywhere. 
And, and, and there she is, she's eating food. And someone's bringing her a coffee. And I just stand next to her and I say, hey, how did you find out about today? She said, you know, it's through the letterbox. And then she unpacked a little bit of her story and she said, you know what? It's been hard for me these last couple of years. And don't I remember you? She said, really? She said, yeah, I used to go to Aquanation. I said, yeah, yeah, that's right. We're in the, that same class. Why don't you come on back? And she said, life's been really hard. And so to come here on this one day is great. Wow. And then there was this other guy that came and he'd just been pulled in off the street and he was loving it. He was dad taking his kid out for like dad and kid time. And, and this was awesome for him because he could, he could see his car getting washed and his kid was eating all of these sweets that had been made and so was he. And it was just this really good space that he was like, I love this, this is terrific. And you know, if any of them, either of them have had to said, why do you do this? I wonder what you would have said. I would have had a couple of things listed up. I would have said, well, firstly, we actually just think God loves people and we just want to practically demonstrate that to others. Have a great day. Or maybe if I dug a little bit deeper, I'd say, you know, Jesus is the person we follow and he gave his all. And so in a small way, we want to give back. Yeah. Or maybe if I went a little bit deeper and maybe a little bit cheesy is that, you know, I really think that God's going to bring his order to this world one day. So if we can bring a little bit of order to your car, then maybe that wouldn't, yeah, wouldn't work as much. <laughs> but see, at the heart of this is this, this understanding that when you come to know Jesus, he actually invites you on a journey with him to actually reflect God and the changing work he's been doing in your life back into the world. And so he goes on, Peter, and he says these words, Since you call on Father who judges each person according to each person's work impartially, live out your time as foreigners or exiles here in reverent fear. You see, when you come into God's family, there's some old habits and behaviors that he says just no longer work and fit in this place anymore. Um, it's as though, if you like, when God's spirit comes and resides in you, it's like he takes up residence in a house. And there's some things that Peter wants to say to him in your former life are no longer part of God's family. And a part of becoming more like God is understanding that and actually allowing him to change and transform you so other people can see God at work in your life. And so most often than not, it starts to bring, God starts to bring order in people's lives where there's disorder. So if you like, it's as though God's spirit comes and works in, in the different rooms of a house. And let's say he turns up, God's spirit turns up, or Jesus turns up in the living room. And the living room is the place where you might have conversations and interactions, right, with people. It's where relationships are formed and built. In your former life, you might have had and learnt the way in which you treat and interact with people that when they push you, you might push back really hard and you're really good at using words to cut people down. Or maybe you're someone who reflexively, when someone actually says something about you, you can use words to kind of discourage rather than encourage. Well, in that case, God's spirit would work in you and just nudge and prompt you and say, you know what, that kind of way of speaking and addressing people is just, it just won't fit in God's family because that would just be disruptive and it would it would actually pull things apart rather than put them together. 
And if you like, maybe if that wasn't your room because you're pretty good in that room, maybe God, God's Spirit would do a makeover in another room. Maybe he walks into your office space and the office space is where your finances are. And the finances where are the things that you hold really dear because when you grew up, you had to put every little penny together. And so with that, you, you would scratch and save as much as you could. And so when you came to actually know Jesus and he starts to tap on your heart about generosity, you realize that's a hard thing for you. Or, or maybe I counter so, you, you've grown up to just spend and spend and spend, and so you lurch from one crisis to the next, hand to mouth, spending so much, and God needs to bring some order in that part of your life. And, and then he begins to tap you on the shoulder about generosity, the idea of when you come to know him, that you actually start to use the, the things that you have to encourage and be generous to others. Or maybe he walks into another room, and it's the bedroom, and it's the the one that, that you have ideas and thoughts about humans, about bodies, about men, about women, and you've always thought about them in a particular way and perhaps wanting to use them or manipulate. And that's old kind of thinking that doesn't fit in God's new way. In fact, he has an order for how in which um, maybe you've been in the, in the practice of sharing lots of bed with people and that's been really destructive in your life. And God actually says, no, I want to bring some order to that because I have a, a plan for for that expression as well and who you share beds with that's really important to me. And you mightn't understand it fully now, but if you trust me, I have good plans for you and, and I have a good way of ordering this part of the human life and there's nothing I'd ask of you that wouldn't be ultimately for your good. And then maybe he walks to another part of the house and it's the shed, right? It's the shed where all of our toys are kept. Usually, all the toys we love to play, you know, they're the things that we do on the weekend and they can become our gods and goddesses. And so he might tap you on the shoulder and say, hey, there's some of the toys you have in your shed that actually I think, they're, I think you think they're more important in your life than me. And so what I would like to do is actually for you to actually put that in its rightful place when your heart opens to me and you start to worship me from the heart then you'll find that these things start to find their natural place. You might have some toys, but not, they're not what you need to set your hope on. And so in the midst of all of this, if you ask the question as a Jesus follower, why should I, God? <laughs> You'd be missing the point. Because Peter goes on and he writes this, For you know that it was not with perishable things such as silver or gold that you were redeemed, although silver and gold are inert metals and they don't kind of perish, but um, I don't think he quite knew that at the time and maybe he was talking about something slightly different, but you get the point, right? It's that he goes on and he says this, But with the precious blood of Christ, a lamb without blemish or defect, you were actually ransomed back to be with God. And in fact... He was chosen, Jesus was chosen before the creation of the world, but was revealed in these last times for your sake. And so if, if you're asking the why should I leave some of that old behavior behind, you kind of miss the point. It's because, it's because of what he's done for you. He's died and he came to earth and he's risen to new life. So that you don't have to fear death. You can be washed clean from the inside out. You can be welcomed into his family and nothing in heaven and on earth can take that from you. And he's done it for you.
for you. He's done it for you. So then Peter finishes. Peter finishes with these words. Now that you have purified yourselves by obeying the truth so that you have a sincere love for one another, love one another deeply. (laughs) The thing that strikes me most about these words from Peter is that Peter was the one who was the big mouth, loud mouth one. He was the one who said, you're not going to wash my feet, Jesus. And then Jesus says, well, if I can't wash your feet, you have nothing to do with me. And Peter says, then wash me from head to toe. (laughs) Peter was the one who said, everyone else will leave you, Jesus, but I will never, ever deny you or leave you. And then just a few hours later, he was the one who was crying like a little baby because Jesus turned to him after a rooster had crowed and reminded him exactly what Jesus said would happen. So here we have... Peter now, having been worked on by God and his spirit and reflecting him into the world, he's the one who says these words. I've learned to obey and trust him. And as you do that, I've experienced a love inside of me that looks outward towards other people. And so what I want you to do more than anything else, wherever you're scattered, wherever you belong, wherever your feet have planted, Love one another deeply. Come on. I wonder this morning what that looks like in your life to love deeply. Love deeply in the midst of all of the challenges that are swirling around. To love deeply when you might have voted differently to the person next to you. Love deeply. Because that's the only thing that's going to transform our world is that when transformed people, by God's grace and by God's loving kindness and by God's goodness, human hearts are changed and there's a love that works out from them to others, looking for nothing in return. Love one another deeply. It doesn't say like one another. It doesn't say put up with one another. Tolerate one another. I wonder who God might be asking you to love profoundly right now. And I wonder simultaneously if you're hearing the Spirit of God nudge you and say, and you know that old behavior? Because I want you to reflect me into the world. It no longer belongs. And I want you to do something about it. And the rightful thing for you to do, the freeing thing for you to do, even if you don't quite understand, is to respond and say, God, would you do that work in me? I'll give you permission. To do some of that renovating in that room so that you would be reflected through me 
in that part of my life into the world. So perhaps just here in this space right now, I'm going to pray. And I wonder if you might hear the voice of God speak to you. I don't want you to just remember who you are. I want you to reflect who I am into this world. And at times that's going to be hard. But if you follow me and ask me, I'll lead you. So, Father, across the room this morning and those listening online, ask, you might just place someone in our heart that you're calling us to love in a deeper way. Maybe someone from here, maybe someone in my workspace or school. Would you help me to love deeply? And Father God, here in this place, ask. I ask that you would come into that room of my life and make the changes that you want to make. Ultimately, for your honour and for my good. But I trust you with that now. And I ask that you might help me. Would you do a change in me in that? Because I want to reflect you to my family. I want to reflect you to my friends. I want to reflect you to my work colleagues. I want to reflect you. And I ask these things. In Jesus' name, amen. Why don't you stand with us and sing this morning as we finish our time together.